Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Carrie Martin, an Associate Professor of Dermatology and Child Health at the University of Missouri in Columbia. And I've got the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Izogi Hedigen today. He's a current rheumatology fellow at Loma Linda, and we're going to be discussing his article in the November JAD titled Analysis of Hydradenitis Separativa Hospitalizations, a report from the National Inpatient Sample Database. Dr. Hedigen has completed med school at the University of Benin in Nigeria and his internal medicine residency at Kekpani. He's currently a rheumatology fellow, as I mentioned, and he's applying for dermatology residency. His research interests include rheumatology, dermatology overlap syndromes, hydradenitis separativa, skin of color, and atopic dermatitis. So thanks so much for taking time to sit down and tell us more about this study. Um, It's great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Before I dive into the study, I always like to talk about my background, like why I started doing research on adrenitis operativa. During my residency, I actually had the opportunity of taking care of quite a number of patients with adrenitis operativa. It was kind of unique, same patients being admitted because primarily because of a dermatological condition. A lot of patients with different dermatological conditions, once they get admitted, they get admitted because of their comorbidities, because of their hypertension, because of their diabetes. But same patient being admitted because of HS flare, coming in because of recurrent grown abscesses, coming in because of fever, pain, a lot of discomfort, primarily due to a dermatological condition was unique to me. In addition to that, there's a lot of mental component in adrenitis superativa. The patients I were taking care of were young females in their 30s. They were depressed. There's a lot of psychological discomfort. It's not like having arthritis. Patients will talk about their arthritis in the dinner table. They will talk about their blood pressure, their diabetes in the dinner table. But nobody talks about their recurrent grown abscesses. So there's a lot of psychological component to that disease. And also it was predominantly affecting skin of color. A lot of the patients, in fact, all the patients that I took care of during residency were black. They were African-American patients. So I went into the literature and actually saw that adrenitis superativa disproportionately affect African-Americans. Not too sure, like the why African-Americans, that is not clear. As a African myself and a person of color, I was very interested. So I decided to do more research into adrenitis superativa. I was more interested in looking at adrenitis superativa hospitalization because there was scarcity of data at that time. A lot of dermatologists know a lot about adrenitis superativa and the outpatient side, but why do they get hospitalized? What type of patient gets hospitalized? What are the characteristics of this hospitalized patient? So because of that, I decided to do this um, study. I abstracted my data from the National Inpatient Sample Database. This is the largest inpatient hospitalization database in the United States. 
I was looking at patients that have a ICD-10 co-diagnosis of angionitis superotiva. I was interested, as long as they have angionitis superotiva, I studied those patients, whether they were admitted because of angionitis superotiva or because they were admitted because of a non-angionitis superotiva-related reason. My greatest question, I, I wanted to answer two questions. One, why do this patient get hospitalized? I had an hypothesis before I did a study that the most common reason for hospitalization would be the angionitis superativa itself, not because of their comorbidity. So I wanted to test that out. So we actually discovered that, again, not surprising, the most common reason for hospitalization in patients with HS is actually HS itself which wasn't surprising to me, but I guess it was surprising to other persons, which is it's a game changer the way I see it because most people see dermatology as an outpatient thing. Once they get hospitalized, usually it's not because of their skin condition, because of something else. A similar study was done in patients with psoriasis and they actually discovered that the most common reason for admission in psoriasis patients was their cardiovascular comorbidities, not because of psoriasis flare itself, but actually finding that HS patients, when you see them in clinic, if they are going to be hospitalized, they're going to be hospitalized because of HS itself. Let's also know that we are not doing a pretty good job in managing this patient in the health patient setting if they're just going to be hospitalized primarily because of angionitis superotiva. In addition to that, I also looked at baseline characteristics of patients with angionitis superotiva, and I compared them to patients without angionitis superotiva. Not surprising, they were had more females which we knew there were more, they had more comorbidities like diabetes and obesity, which is not surprising. They were also more likely to be anemic. HS is a chronic inflammatory disease. So I'm not surprised that they are more likely to be anemic compared to the non-HS patients. What I actually found interesting are the other factors. I looked at Charleston comorbidity index between HS patients and non-HS patients. HS patients actually had less comorbidity burden compared to non-HS patients, which tells me that these patients are not super complex. They don't really have a lot of medical comorbidity. They might have angionitis superativa, one or two other medical comorbidities, but they are not super complex or super sick. They tend to be younger patients. The mean age was 43 years in the HS group, while the non-HS group was 58 years which is pretty young compared to the non-HS group. I know we see more younger HS patients in clinic and the outpatient side, but these patients are getting hospitalized are actually the sickest of them. So it's not surprising that they're going to be a little bit older, but still pretty young. Then what I found more interesting is that insurance status. I really didn't talk about that in the research later. Because of 500, because of ward limit. But patients with HS were more likely to be Medicaid in short, and they were more likely to be come from lower income households. 
So with the national inpatient sample, you can actually stratify patients according to the according to the expected income for um zip code. Basically, how much do they make compared to what is expected for their zip code? And you can divide them into zero to twenty-fifth percentile, twenty-fifth to fiftieth percentile, fifty to seventy-fifth percentile, seventy-fifth to hundred percentile. So we actually found that patients with HS were less likely to be in the 75th to 100 percentile for income and we're more likely to be in the 0 to 25th percentile for income which is interesting not only are these patients predominantly african americans we found that 48 percent of the HS patients that were hospitalized were african americans why in the non-HS group African Americans only made up 15%. So generally, African Americans make up about 13 to 50% of the population, depending on the study that you're looking at. So African Americans are actually the minority, but they're representing almost 50% of the hospitalized HS patients. So the take-home message is that hospitalized HS patients are more likely to be African Americans. They are more likely to come from lower income households. They are more likely to be Medicaid insured. We know that patients that are Medicaid insured are more likely to be more socioeconomic disadvantaged compared to other insurance group. So the sickest patients are actually the real vulnerable patients. They are the African Americans. They are those from low income household. So these are the patients that we need to do our best to actually control the adrenitis operativa and prevent hospitalization. Hospitalization is very expensive in the country. The medium cost of hospitalization ranges somewhere from 10,000 to 20,000 US dollars. So preventing hospitalization is a big deal. And preventing hospitalization primarily due to a dermatological condition is actually a big deal and something that is very essential for every dermatologist. So we made suggestions about things that we can do to reduce HS hospitalization. We suggested that this HS patient can have a direct helpline. They can always call the clinic. They should have like a nurse or at least a medical assistant, someone that they can talk to if they feel that they're having the HS flare. This person can triage this patient and determine if they will need to have like a telehealth visit with a medical doctor. It will also be good if there's limited walking availability for patients with HS flare, for HS patients that if they feel they're having an HS flare, they can come to the clinic and get taken care of so that they don't have to go to the hospital and be hospitalized. We also suggest creating multidisciplinary clinic in which you have internal medicine physicians, dermatologists, psychiatrists, surgeons, so that different specialties can actually come together and address the multi-dynamic and the multi-dimensional aspects of angenitis operativa. So those are the suggestions that we made in our people. I'm actually interested to see what do you think, what other suggestions do you think we can actually do to prevent hospitalization due to angenitis operativa flare? Yeah, it is really a problem and not all patients 
can like have access even to their dermatologist nearby. So I think having the availability of telehealth for them to reach out, especially if they live a long distance or don't have access to transportation to their dermatologist, telehealth can go a long way in adding some of that quick triage. Because sometimes I think patients are having a flare and they just don't know what else to do or where else to go. Um, So they end up in the ER or the urgent care. And those physicians may or may not have experience with hydratinitis. So it is important that we as dermatologists own this disease and set up structure for patients to access us when they need it. I think that having the walk-in availability is great if the clinic can do it. And I agree too that the multidisciplinary care is really important. Yeah. And in terms of like the patients, patients with lower socioeconomic background, they are more likely to be underinsured and have good patient follow-up. In terms of like using biologic for treating moderate to severe angiolitis operativa, if those patients are coming from lower economic background, a lot of times the insurance might not be the best. You might have difficulty in actually getting those biologic approved for such patients. So it's it breaks my heart that the sickest patients that have been hospitalized are actually the most vulnerable patients. So I think that is the point I actually want to pass across that these patients are very vulnerable. They're African Americans, they are disadvantaged, they are Medicaid insured, they don't have the most fancy insurance, they come from lower socioeconomic household. Once you identify those patients, we should actually do whatever we can to prevent hospitalization. And they have all those things going against them, and they are some of our sickest hydratinitis patients. So absolutely. And it was basically the same. We also did the same study in the pediatric angiolitis superativa population. And the most common reason for hospitalization in HS patient in pediatric side was still angiolitis superativa. Compared to the pediatric population, the pediatric population had more increase in hospitalization for endocrine and behavioral disorder. But overall, angionitis operativa was still the most common reason for hospitalization. And just to talk a little bit more about African Americans being predominantly being affected by HS. I also did a similar study that was published in JAMA Dermatology, in which I looked at racial trends in patients in hospitalized angiolitis superativa patients over 10 years, from 2008 to 2018. What I actually discovered is that the amount of African Americans or the among the hospitalized HS patients, the proportion of them that are African Americans is increasing over time. It significantly increased, especially among those that were hospitalized for HS flare. So not only is HS predominantly a disease of African-Americans, but the burden among African-Americans is actually statistically increasing over time. So there need to be more uh, wellness of this. And that was basically the entire purpose of the study to increase awareness of this disease. Because before we can make any change, we have to know that there's a problem before we can institute positive changes. What else is on your horizon? Do you see more hydratinitis research in your future? It sounds like you're pretty passionate about it. I'm actually passionate. So I'm currently working on patients with, you know, obesity is linked to angionitis superativa. So I want to see if angionitis superativa obese patient 
if they get bariatric surgery, does that reduce the hospitalization for HS flare? That is an hypotension I'm actually working on. So see if obesity is so tightly linked to hospitalization for HS flare. So when they get bariatric surgery and they lose weight after six months, are they less likely to be admitted because of HS flare? So that is my hypothesis is that bariatric surgery will reduce readmissions for HS flare. So I'm currently working on that and I'd like to see how that paper Yeah, that'd be out. great. Keep us updated. There's a lot of research on HS. Uh, in the last two years, there have been quite a good number of papers on angiogenesis superoterior compared to five years ago that a lot of research was on so grasses, atopic dermatitis, but in terms of angiogenesis superoterior, the pathogenesis, and even in terms of treatment, there was not a lot of good research, good evidence-based um, papers, but I'm glad that the awareness for HS is increasing in time, and I hope it continues to increase. Absolutely. The more we can get the word out to our communities as well, patients will come find us and we can take better care of these populations that need us so much. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for sharing all your knowledge and expertise with us. And thanks for your continued work in this field. It's really important. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And thank you to all our listeners for signing on with us. Again, this is Dr. Carrie Martin interviewing Dr. Hedigen from Loma Linda on the analysis of hydronitis separativa hospitalizations, a report from the National Inpatient Sample Database here for you on Dialogues of Dermatology. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.